Tony DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports Station. Good morning, Jerry. How you doing? Uh, not too bad today, guys. What's going on? Well, uh, it seems like a lot, at least with your team. Kind of a busy morning. Um, before we get to the roster moves, what do we know about Marco? Sounds like he was out there throwing. How's he feeling? I don't know. I'm 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 in Seattle now okay. with the team, so haven't gotten a, an update that that quickly. What uh, What was the talk yesterday after he had to come out of the game, et cetera? What uh, What were you thinking? What are we thinking about here? You know, his, uh, he came out. The X-rays were negative. But my understanding was that we were going to do another another set of scans today. That he wanted to try to throw this morning and would get a feel for it. We've already sent some uh, reinforcements. So when you go through a day like that, when the when the starting pitcher is only out there for 11 pitches, you, know, you, you have to scramble the Jets a little bit. And we got a couple arms in to help out you know, over the next couple of days if needed. And I think that was step one. And step two is now trying to determine whether Marco will be ready to take that start on Sunday. Okay, so hopefully he is, and, and we're wishing him the best, and hopefully the, the throwing goes okay and he's just ready to go. If not, what what is uh, what are the likely scenarios? Would you go to so a rookie making his first start? Um, how far would George Kirby be ready for that? Uh, we haven't gotten that far yet, <laughs> and the the answer is that anything has to be in play for us. And you know, as it works out, it, it lines up uh, that that Sunday is in line with uh, with George or potentially Levi Stout and Double A. And and those may be our best in-house candidates. It's also possible that that we stream together some other idea between now and then. And I don't know what that might look like, but everything has to be in play for us. And you know, Plan A is for Marco to take the ball and start. But we'll have to take that uh, moment by moment. How do you guys feel about the bullpen starts? I mean, you did quite a bit of it last year. What is the the organization's current thinking on that? I mean, same as it was when we were making them last year. You hate to do it but you do what you have to do. And it's uh, like you saw last night and like you've seen with the Rays, you know, it's uh, while uh, the opening game in this series, it was more by design. You know, today it's not really by design. You, you just have to do, you know, what the, what the schedule, what injury, what player availability dictates. And you know, it's, I, I don't think it's, it's perfectly suited to, uh, to the most, to really the optimal outcomes for the rest of the season. You know, what happens in the, in the days or weeks after you go through, you know, bullpen days or multiple bullpen days, if that's not how your staff is built. But right now with the extra pitchers on our roster, you know, we're probably as well suited to handle it as we're ever going to be. And like I said, we'll just do what we think is the best thing as time gets closer to uh to, to go time on Sunday. How proud are you of, of how your team came through some of these COVID issues over the last week or so and kind of dealt with having a few guys down? Uh, I think we've done a marvelous job. And it's it's hard when you know the, the entire Scott, the entire staff was beaten up. You know, the the support group who who many people don't see and have probably never heard of. But you know, the people who put together our instant replay, the people who put together our, our behind-the-scenes scouting information, our advanced scouting presentations for the game, you know, everybody's been been sick. And that's been something to deal with. And, you know, along the way, we had a, a small handful of players that were also 
sick and it, it made it difficult and and to go through that and still uh, be in the position that we're in is really encouraging and hopefully we're we're very close to getting back to 100% healthy. Hey, tell me a little bit about Christopher Negron. I mean, I remember him here as a player. I know he was was managing a little bit in the minor leagues, and he's been your first base coach this year. But the guy steps up in very short order to filling in ably for Scott over a couple of games. Tell me a little bit more about Christopher Negron. You know, Chris has great baseball instinct. He really does. And, and we had, uh, you know, there's through the years, we have – evolved our, our scouting reports to try to help and identify players, minor league players. They may be in our system. They may be in somebody else's system, but players who, when they are done playing, have a chance to be difference makers in front offices as scouts, potentially as, as staff members, you know, field managers, etc. And, and Chris Negron was a guy that we had highlighted some years back. And, and I know we were not the only team that had him on our radar. And, and when we had the opportunity, I think it was back in 2018, we had the opportunity in September, uh, you know, like is so often the case, veteran minor league players at the end of the year, when their team, uh, their current team is not planning to add them for the month, they send out a quick email blast, letting other teams know that, you know, so-and-so in this case, it was Christopher Negron is, is available for, for you know assignment or trade uh please reach out with a call and and uh we reached out and and i immediately spoke to to chris's agent and i talked to him about the possibility of coming on with the mariners and then what it might look like when his playing career ends yeah. and and that we would like to start building a plan for the end of his career and you know lo and behold he finished that season on our major league roster played well for it yeah he's a very good athlete could do a lot of things but long story short, you know, Chris stayed with us uh, into that next season. We, the Dodgers had an opportunity for him to play during a postseason run, which is it, it's impossible to hold a player back from. And we, we traded him to the Dodgers for cash. And in the trade, we discussed with Chris, we're going to do this and we'll let you finish it out with the Dodgers. But when you're done, you know, the, the, the understanding is come back to us and we'll start your managerial career. And that's exactly what we did. (laughs) And he came back to us and and we made him a staff member and he ran our offsite in 2020 during COVID. And then he was our triple A manager a year ago in Tacoma. And uh, he's got a very bright future. Hopefully most of most or all of it with the Mariners. That's awesome. That's a great story. Are there guys on the, on the current roster that you have identified as potential front office folks down the road? There are, but we won't talk about them until we're down the road. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying they're here for that purpose, just that maybe they've got that kind of uh, ability. So, all right, let's run through some of these guys. Jerry, I could spend the next 15 minutes just, like, naming names and having you rave about some of the guys because they've really played so well. Um, let's start with J.P. Crawford just because, I don't know, he's the first one on my list. He's leading the team in war so far at this point. Is he taking the leap? What's happening with J.P. Crawford? I, I think we saw it happening, evolving over these last couple of seasons. It was very evident last year that, you know, especially in the middle of last season, when, when he really started to, you, know, you you saw him step up offensively. JP has always had the tools to do the things he's doing right now. And, you know, he's just been a little slower to evolve as a major league player than some. And it's been worth the wait. 
is he's doing all the things that that you would imagine him doing. Uh, I, I wasn't planning on 400 foot pole homers. Uh, you know, that's that's not naturally something that we expected. But he's doing so many things the right way. It's contact. It's swinging at the right pitches. He plays hard every day. You get the steady defense. And and we talked about his leadership skills. It's part of the reason why we wanted to make sure we kept him here for the foreseeable future. And unfortunately, he wants to be here as well. So we got that taken care of. How real has uh, has has Ty France's power been? Is that something that we can start to project over the course of this season? I, it, it's hard to slug the way he's slugging now over 162 games. You know that that's unique, but the power is legit. Ty is just a great hitter, and I know you've heard me say it before. And you know nothing would shock me with Ty. Is is he a 30 plus homer guy? Sure, he has that ability. Is, is does he have the chance to go out and win a batting title? We've talked about that before. He's just an awesome bat to ball hitter, and he's. He too, he's, he swings at the right pitches. He handles all kinds of different pitches. He's, he's good at the strike breaking ball. He's good at handling velocity. And, you know, Ty's exit velocities are never going to jump off a page or rarely jump off a page. He just knows how to barrel the ball. And he's as good at doing it as anybody in our lineup. And, you know, nothing would shock me with Ty. I just think he's that good a hitter. Do you think he could do both of those things at the same time? I mean, could, could he hit 30 home runs and challenge for a batting title at the same time? Don't see why not, because he doesn't sell out to get to his power. You know, there are a lot of guys that, that have to sell out mm-hmm. to cheat for a pitch or sit on a single pitch to hit it out of the ballpark. And, and Ty doesn't have to do that. He's, he's such a, I don't know if you've, if you've seen or, or noticed this when he hits, but he's such a rhythm hitter. You know, some guys load their swing in multiple parts. And if you slow it down, you can see the swing happening in almost a, a robotic load. Ty just rocks and rolls, you know, he's, he's, he's got a natural sway to him. He's got a feel to hit. There's, there's nothing. It's just loose feel to hit, identify a pitch and hit it where they throw it. And it's why I think he's generally so good in two strike counts. You know, he's, he's not, he's not sitting on a single pitch. He's not protecting against something or guessing. He's just, he's just seeing the ball rocking and he's going and hitting it. Well, I think I might have to ask you about the guy with a .40 ERA. I know ERA is not like the be-all, end-all anymore, but anytime it's at 0.40, four starts in, uh, what's going on with Logan Gilbert? He's, uh, Logan's really good. <laughs> and and we've, we've talked about this uh, coming into our season. I know some of the, you know, the, the criticism – of our off season was that we didn't do enough with the pitching and, and maybe we'll find out that that's true, but it's not going to be because we didn't have the right, you know, the, the right horses to, to pull the sled. We went out and we got the Stallion award winner. He's been everything as far as delivering the inning. And we really believed that in house, we had the stability of guys like Marco and flex for the middle of the rotation. And that Logan Gilbert was going to, to rise. And, and I think we're seeing that he's, he went home in his off season. He focused on refining his change up and his breaking balls. They're, they're all three of his secondary pitches are well ahead of where they've ever been since he entered the organization through a lot of hard work. He's always had that mid upper nineties fastball. It rides at the top of the zone and he has that advantage of, you know, a six, six frame with crazy extension as he, as he releases the ball and his 95, 98 plays much, much harder than that. And it's already really hard. <laughs> so 
he's a tough guy to square up. He really is a tough guy to make contact again when he's on and at the top of the zone. And now those new pitches that have created, you know, room for him to operate both horizontally and vertically in the strike zone and above it. That's a, it just makes it a really hard combination to hit. And, you know, so many positive things have happened for us early in this year. Maybe none as, as, as mm. I don't want to say expected, but as, as routine, it feels like as Logan Gilbert, I think he's been the best pitcher in the American league this month. And it's it's hard to believe that he's started you know fewer than thirty games in his career at this point. Seems like a remarkably mature kid as well. I mean, in addition to all the all the physical gifts and everything else, he just strikes. And by the way, a lot of the guys on this team strike me that way, but he seems exceptionally mature. He always has been, and you know this is an area where I'm going to kick a ton of the credit to Scott Hunter and our amateur scouting group. They have done an awesome job through the years. We've, we have what we call a Mariners type player. And we talk about it ad nauseum when we're in scouting meetings, when we're going through development. And, you know, Logan hits on so many of those qualities. And our scouting group has been awesome at going out and identifying a lot of the traits that we look for in a player. Because then we know that that's, that player fits in our system and we can help, we can help him improve. And we feel like there's no player on earth that we can't help get better. But when you have those traits and believe in the things that we believe in, there's no, there's really nothing holding us back from really hitting big. And, and Logan is that guy. He's, he is smart. He's humble. He's a great teammate. He's, I would call him intellectually curious. He digs in all the, the information matters to Logan and you'll see him. You've seen him when you're down in Peoria, you know, an hour before others are out on the field, he's out there working through, you know, the, the, the nuances of the positioning of his hand and his delivery or, or his stride length on the mound with no ball, with no one else around, just him in a towel. And, uh, it's, he's, he's very focused on what he's doing and, and I think he's going to be great at it for a long time. Jerry, what's been your favorite moment so far? I mean, it's been a, a really fun first couple of weeks of watching this team. What's been your favorite moment to watch from your position? Wow, I hadn't thought about it. You know, I can't say I've, I, I'll break it down to a favorite moment yet. I'll I wonder. Until, I wondered you know, if it would be the Julio walk. Is I, maybe I was sort of fishing to see if it would be Julio's walk, just because of all of the crowd going crazy and him keeping his approach and the little look back to make sure they called it a ball. I wondered <laughs> if that would be your answer. I guess that's why I asked. No, I'll wait till till we start playing game, you know, one sixty three before there we go. I d- determine what my favorite moment is. But I, I and I'll say this on Julio, you know, and uh, where we are with eighteen games into our season, and and obviously it's not been an easy road for Julio with elevated strikeouts because of you know some things that are outside of his control, but but seem to have gotten better in recent days, and a lot of the reason why it's gotten better is he's done two things incredibly well. He is, he's swinging at the right pitches. His pitch selection is awesome. It's among the best in the league right now. And he's hitting the ball as hard as anybody on earth. So while the contact might not be as frequent as it eventually will be, what's happening when he hits the ball is irrefutably good. And he's swinging <laughs> at the right pitches. And at 21 years old, that's really all you can hope for. So, and I don't mean to make this a comp. I've been, I'm so excited for when Jared Kelnick can put this together because I think we got a chance to see what was it Friday night, kind of that whole package of the, you know, the eye and the running and the power and just everything that he's going to bring. 
and yet when you talk about pitch selection, it, it seems like maybe that's been a bit of a challenge. Where, where is Kelnick at right now? It is. It has been a little bit tougher for J.K. as far as the as identifying pitches and laying off them, and and some of it is just the it's it, we've talked about his intensity, and he puts a lot of pressure on himself to go out there and succeed every pitch, every at bat, every day, and and that's that it's not the easiest way to to find constant success. And on the days where he is locked in and he does pick the right one the first time, or gets that big hit in his first at bat. I think you'll see him ease up, and and then a, a you know a better day is probably on the way. But he's just learning the lessons of of young players in the league, and you know, and, and this is where you just see the difference in the personalities between players. It's his he is constantly going to put that kind of pressure on himself, and and eventually he's going to figure out how to manage it because he's too good not to. But you know, it's uh, it's very hard to play when you're constantly pressing every pitch to, to find that success. And, you know, you can't hit a seven-run homer. You can't go, you know, five for four. You have to let it happen pitch by pitch. And and uh, and it's and they're hard lessons to learn. We all had to learn them, and, and Jared's learning them right now. You say that. I think France actually went five for four the other night. I'm not sure. I have to go back and look at the box score. <laughs> I think, like it. I think he like found it. a way. Uh, what is the – just a moment or two here. I just got another minute or two. Is there a ceiling for Andres Munoz? I don't know what it would be. You know, obviously there it's, he's the electricity of his stuff. It's just the, and you saw it even the other night and what I think was probably his shakiest outing so far this year, even more so than the outing where he gave up a run or two. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he really battled himself the other night and the, the quickness of the break on his slider, when you have to protect that, against a 102-mile-an-hour fastball or whatever it's going to be on that day. But it's going to be something that starts in the hundreds. <laughs> the, when you have to protect against those, you saw it with good major league hitters, guys like Brandon Lau and G-Man Choi. There's, they have to start their bat so quickly that even once that slider leaves the zone, it, it, they, they can't hit it. Yeah. swing. And, you know, it, it makes Andre – his ceiling is going to be defined by his walk rate. Because he's going to strike him out. He's going to be very hard to hit. And, and you know, his, his, his propensity for limiting the walks will define what he can be. And, and there's really no ceiling on what that can be. And you know, I, I hate to comp him to, to current guys because there are a lot of current guys that are in that bucket. <laughs> this, is a, this is the golden age of dominant back-of-the-bullpen guys, really. And, and they're scattered throughout the league. And Andres has that kind of physical ability to be one of them well i'll tell you the the pitch he threw i think it was to wander franco the other night that that i mean it must have broken 40 inches right to left i mean it ended up almost behind the batter it was i mean just really remarkable to watch so jerry this has been fun uh what what a great week to watch this team and excited for the rest of this road trip and then to see them back home thanks for taking a few minutes glad to hear people are starting to feel better and we'll talk to you next week all right mike appreciate it